Ki Mitzion Tetzei Torah. This is KMTT and this is Ezra Bekin. Today is Wednesday, Yom Revi'i, Yud Bet Bi'iyar. And today we begin a new series, which I will be giving myself. We, we, we will be discussing a mamar or two, one or two statements found in the Gemara Barachot, which are on the border of Halakha and Agada. They usually will be actual Halachot, or they have Halachic ramifications. And they're found in Bayofer and Shulchan Aruch. And we will be discussing them both from the point of view of Halakha, but also because they are uh, windows into understanding various uh, things in Yanei Machshava, various philosophical points having to do with tefillah or some other aspect of Jewish religious life which are discussed in the Gemara Bechot. But Gemara Bechot is a very, very uh, rich source of statements of this sort and that will be the nature of our discussion today. Each week we will discuss a different mamar or two uh, for, the next, uh, for the next three months. And therefore, I now begin at the end of the, the end of the year. We'll have the usual halacha yomit. For today's uh, discussion, the first in our series, I choose a ma'amar that appears in the Gemara Bechot on Daf Dalid Amud Bet. The concept itself is is familiar. We'd like I'd like to discuss the various thoughts, various approaches. One has towards this. The topic itself is Smichut Geula Litfila. The Gemara in Berachot Daftal Bet quotes the statement of Rabbi Yochanan: Ezehu ben Haolam Haba Zeh Somech Geula Litfila Shel Arvit. Who is he who merits the world to come? One who connects. He brings close Geula. And Tfilah Shel Arvit. Geula means the bracha of Ga'al Yisrael, the bracha that said immediately after Kriyat Shema, and Tfilah means Shema Nesve. This is what we call Smichut Geula Tfilah. Here it says Tfilah Shel Arvit. Rashi immediately comments that even more so Shacharit. He said Arvit because it's even more obvious. It's 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 a it's a chiddush. He's coming to tell you even Arvit, but Shacharit v'kol shekain the Shacharit ikar gulat mitzrayim v'Shacharit haya. The bracha of Geula, the bracha which mentions Geula, which mentions redemption, is is focused on the redemption of Egypt. Redemption of Egypt actually took place in the morning when they left Egypt, and therefore it's it's more obvious that you have to combine Geula shel Shacharit. The morning Geula with Tfilah of Yochan to tell you that even even Arvit. It's interesting because there is no explicit statement in the Gemara that says to combine, to put together Geula Shal Shacharit, the morning Geula with Shmon Esrei. But it, it is, as Rashi says, a derivative from the explicit statement about about Arvit. What is the point here? Why is there a necessity? to put together, to combine, to join together the bracha of Geula, of redemption, 
and Shmon Esrei. First of all, we should realize that there's no obvious connection between the two in terms of the structure of Tefillah. We're so used to, to the Siddur that we think that Davin begins with Birkot HaShachar and ends with Aleinu. But Tefillah, halachically defined, is Shmon Esrei. The Bracha of Geula, as well as the two Brachot which come before Kriyat Shema, and as well as Hashkivenu, which is the second bracha after Kriyat Shema in the night, that's a, it's a separate it's a separate unit. It's the unit called Kriyat Shema. There is no inherent, obvious connection between Tefillah and Kriyat Shema. The proof is from Tefillat Mincha. In other words, you daven three times a day, but you say Kriyat Shema only twice a day. These are two separate obligations. The obligation of Kriyat Shema offhand is the Oraita. Davening, Tfilah, according to most Rishonim other than the Rambam, is the Rabbanan. According to the Rambam, it's only once a day meet and three times a day meet the Rabbanan. These are two separate mitzvot, two separate frameworks. Kriyat Shema has two or three, is three or four brachot around it. Shemar is 18 brachot. There is no inherent reason that it must be said together. And and, and what Chazal do in this statement is making that connection. They're saying, even though you can do them separately, but you should put them together, or specifically you should put Geula, the Bachada comes after Kriyat Shema, together with, together with Shema Nasser. It's also worth noting the Gemara doesn't say you have to do it. The Gemara praises one who does it. He merits the world to come. It's a very strong statement in terms of the reward, but a very weak statement in terms of the obligation. It doesn't say you have to. It doesn't say you should try. It simply says it's a good thing to do. It's a very good thing to do. You will wind up meriting the world, the world to come. Halacha lemaisa is quoted as halacha. One should not engage in any interruption between Geula and Shmon Esrei. Let's say in the morning, Al Yisrael was immediately before, immediately before Shmon Esrei. What's the reason for this for this connection? First, let me ask a, a a halachic analysis question. There are two ways to look at the need to put two things together. You can look at it that the first requires the second, or you can look at it the second requires the first. In our case, is there something about saying berkat geula which is enhanced by davening immediately afterwards? In other words, shmona esrei adds to Geula. Geula requires Shmon Esrei. Or is it the other way around? Is Shmon Esrei enhanced by being preceded by Geula? The answer to that question would depend on really what the reason for the putting the two together and that's what I, what I wish to, I wish to uh, analyze, wish to try to understand. There could be halachic differences depending on the answer. For instance, the Hagaot uh, Ashri quotes an opinion that there is no need to be Somech Gulad Tefillah on Shabbat. Now, the technical reason is because, as I will immediately quote, the, uh, the Psukim on Pan, which Yedivs, Michud Gulad Tefillah, is based, is the connection between the Pasuk, Yehuda Ratzon Nurefi, Vegyod Bilfenech Hashem Tsuri Vigo Ali. 
which is found in Tehillim, and it's followed immediately in the very next uh, chapter, the very next uh, parak of Tehillim, by the pasuk Yancha Adoshem Biyom Tzara. God should answer you on a day of, of trouble, a day when you're in trouble. So the Gotashri says that davening every day, now that what, what, what the, the derivation means, that the first pasuk says, Hashem Tzuri you speak to God as being He who redeems me. And the very next pasuk, in the next chapter, but the very next pasuk says, God should answer you on a day of trouble. So the first pasuk refers to Gula, the second pasuk refers to Tefillah. But it calls Tefillah, Ya'ancha Hashem Yom Tzara, God's answering me on a day of my trouble. Shabbat is not defined as a Yom Tzara. And Shmon on Shabbat is not a Tefillah of Tzara. It's not a Tefillah where we ask God to save us from our troubles. On Shabbat you don't ask for things like that. Shabbat, Tefillah is dedicated to a different subject. Therefore the Agatha Shri says there's no point in being Somech Gula the Tefillah on Shabbat. Now, it's true he's based it on if this is where it's learned from, it's learned from this psukim, the psukim don't apply here. But in effect, he's saying is that certain kinds of Shmon Esrei, it's appropriate they should be preceded by Geula. But a Shmon Esrei, which is not a Shmon Esrei of save me from my troubles, doesn't require Geula to precede it. In other words, he's assuming that the nature of the Smichut Geula Tefillah is an enhancement of the Tefillah. But this Tefillah, it's not, it's not, it doesn't apply to that's just an example of how there could be an afgamina. There could be a, a, a difference depending on how we understand the question. Let's examine the actual reasons. Rashi, Andaftalid Amid Bet in Bachot, says the following. First he quotes what I just what I just said. He says, Smichud Ramza David The putting together of Gula and Tfilah is hinted at in Sefatilim. The last Pasuk of Tilim Yutet. The nineteenth parak of Tehillim, Yehuda Ratzoni Merayfi, the Egyon the Bidafanecha, Hashem Tzuri Vego Ali, God who is my Rock and my Redeemer, the Samichlei, and that's immediately followed by the pasuk. It's actually two pasukim later, not one pasuk later, but two pasukim later. Ya Ancha Hashem Biyom Tzara. It's a Yushalmi. Rashi is quoting Yushalmi. He continues to quote Yushalmi. V'yamrinim bebrachot Yushalmi. Yushami has the following uh, parable to help us understand the idea. Someone who does not connect Gula to Tfilah, to what may he be compared? To the king's favorite, the king's admirer, friend of the king, who came and knocked on the door of the king. The king came to the door and found that the man knocking, the friend of the king, had already left. That's what someone who is not resembles. Similarly, our person, he flig, he went away. What, what, what should you do? A person should try to bring God close to him and, and, and to appease God, to, 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 to find favor in God's eyes through praise of the exodus of Egypt, what we call Gula, 
והוא מתקרב אליו, ואז God comes close to him, and הוא בעודו קרוב אליו, and when God is still close, יש לו לתבוע צרכיו. Then he should ask for his needs, meaning he should have it. Okay, let's take the two sources that Rashi mentions. The first one we already talk about, the connection between the two פסוקים, השם צורי וגורלי, and יענך השם ביום צרה. It would appear to me, by referring to תפילה as יענך השם ביום צרה, Hashem Tzuri V'Gohli Yancha Hashem B'Yom Tzara and the parable quoted in the Yerushalmi that the nature is as Yerushalmi makes quite explicit Geula is a kind of way of bringing God close let's take the parable itself you knock on the door person comes to the door and then you speak to him if you knock on the door and by the time he comes to the door you're not there then the knocking on the door was pointless. And even worse, perhaps, it, it, you, you've troubled him to come to the door for no reason. In other words, if Geula is knocking on the door, and the tefillah that follows it is the conversation you have with God, what the parable is saying is that knocking on the door, saying Geula, is, its purpose is to allow you to die. If you say Gula and you don't daven afterwards, then you've knocked on the door in vain. You've troubled God to come for no, for no reason. What this has done is it's made Gula a preamble to tefillah. Now, you, you can daven without it. But if you daven without it, then you haven't made God close to you in the language of the Yushalmi. So smichut gulalat filah is a kind of way of preparing the relationship with God, preparing my relationship with God such that my tefillah will be in the, in the proper context. If you don't knock on the door first and you speak to God, you're speaking from far away. You don't know if he's really there. You don't know. I mean, we know he's listening, but he's, but he's not close. Lo karov eilecha. By knocking on the door, by speaking about Gulat Mitzrayim, you make God, you make God close. So what is it said? This is said that Gula is an enhancement of Tefillah. The, the Tefillah is a better Tefillah if it's been preceded by, by Gula. Now you might ask, why is Gula a thing which brings us close to God? And the answer would be that it's really giving us something to understand about Yitziat Mitzrayim. Normally you think that in order to make God close, you should praise Him. That's the words you shall me. Shvachot, tushpachot, v'kilusin. But which praise do we have here? Not the, the Pesukei Zimra in the morning. Not all kinds of praising about everything God does all over the world. But specifically, you say to God, you took us out of Egypt. You saved the Jewish people. Why is that the praise of God which makes it appropriate afterwards to daven? So I think the answer is obvious. There are many praises of God. But here you're saying is that I have a problem. To whom do I go with my problem? I come to you because why? You are the Savior of Israel. This places the entire Yitzhak Mitzrayim in a particular context. Why is it so important? Why do we constantly refer back to the, the, the redemption from Egypt as, as the most crucial Jewish experience? There are a dozen mitzvot in the Torah which are Zeichel Yitzhak Mitzrayim. You make Kiddush, you say Zeichel Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Of course, Pesach, obviously, Zeichel Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Tefillin, Zeichel Yitzhak Mitzrayim. There are so many mitzvot which are Zeichel Yitzhak Mitzrayim. And obviously, the Torah has, it's a very prominent episode in the Torah. Half of Sefer Shemot is about Yitzhak Mitzrayim. And then God says, I took you out of Mitzrayim, therefore I'm your God. 
I'm your God because I took you out of Mitzvahim. What the Torah is saying is that our relationship to God is based on the fact that He saved us and took us out of Mitzvahim. He took us out of Egypt. It's not because God created the world. It's not because Noteng Lechem Nechol because He provides food for all living creatures. Very, very important point. But that's not what our personal relationship with God is based on. As Jews, our relationship with God is based on the fact that He redeemed us from Egypt. He's a redeemer. He saved us. Now that's especially important important when you're coming to ask Him to save you again. You have a problem. You need God to save you. Well, why should He? On what basis do we appeal to Him? How do we get Him to come to the door? How, how do we get an audience with God? Who's King of the world? And On what basis can I, can I ask Him of this? The answer is, I remind Him, you know, you, you, you saved my forefathers, you saved me, you saved us. In the past, that creates a permanent relationship between us that we're dependent on you. And if I have another problem, I appeal to you, I appeal to you to save, it, to, to save me once again, to solve that problem once again, and that's what tefillah is all about. This, it would appear to me, this is the idea which Yushalmi is saying quite explicitly, I think, in the parable, and Yushalmi finds this as being the, the, the inherent meaning in the juxtaposition of the two psukim. Hashem you are my rock and my redeemer. And that's why I expect, I hope, I pray that you should save me beyond, beyond Tzara. So again, if this is the source, and this source contains the basic idea, it implies that Gula is the introduction, the preamble, the knocking on the door before one, before one davens. A somewhat different explanation of the relationship between Gulab and Tfilah is found in Rabbeinu Yonah. Rabbeinu Yonah is, it's called Talmidei Rabbeinu Yonah. Rabbeinu Yonah did not write it. His students wrote down his ideas on the Sechad Brachot. One of the most important commentaries to the Sechad Brachot. Rabbeinu Yonah is one of the great Rishonim. Commentary on the Talmud. We have him on either in collections or in one place in Babat we have the original, usually only citations. A great commentator on the Talmud, but Ben is also a great commentator on life. He's called the Ben Chassid. He's the author of one of the first Muslim, the Shari Tshuva. So Ben here asked a question. He didn't ask why you should be so much without that, that That didn't attract his attention. What attracted his attention was the nature of Rav Yochanan's Formulation. Again, Rabbi Yochan didn't say you have to be Somech Gulal Tfilah. He said if you Somech Gulal Tfilah, you merit the world to come. Rabbi said, really? Well, let's say it's a nice idea. But just for that? That's, what's, that's what gets you into the world to come? It seems a bit of extreme praise, an extreme result for what is after a rather simple thing, saying two Tfilot one after the other. Just for doing that, you get into the world to come. But he only gives two answers. I'd like to quote them both and explain them both. The first one. The Omer Mori Harav, the student is quoting Rabbi Yonah, my teacher said the following. The reason why he merits such a great reward 
is because when God redeemed us and took us out of Egypt, the, the purpose was that we should be to Him avadim. We should be to Him servants. I, I use the softer word. Avadim means slaves. That we should be His slaves. We should belong to Him as slaves. How do I know that? It's a verse. Shene'emar ki avadai heim asher hotseti otame eretz mitzrayim. God says that the Jews are His servants for I have taken them out of Egypt. In other words, taking them out of Egypt created the situation, created the result that we are the servants, the slaves of God. The Ben Yonah derives from this a somewhat stronger statement. In other words, logically, he is deriving more than is, strictly speaking, implied. The state, the, the Pasuk says that as a result of being redeemed by God from Egypt, we are his slaves. The Yonah says the reason why God took us out of Egypt was for that was for that purpose. That's why he took us out. That's A. B. Ubebilkat ga'al Yisrael maskir ba'hachesed shasayimano aborei. And the Bechav ga'al Yisrael mentions that great thing which God did. He took us out of Egypt. V'hat tefila, tefila, shmon esrei, hi avoda. Tefila is service. Davening we think of davening, perhaps, as asking God to help us. Benyar says that primarily, davening is divine service. Now, we, we're used to that term, if you remember, if you've ever seen an English siddur. So, it's called the service. Tefillah is called the service. It's the correct translation, but I think we've forgotten what the word means. Benyar is reminding us. Avodah means what an ever does. Service is what a servant does. Davening to God is the service of God. Kidiyamainan. The Gemara says, Va'avatem et Hashem elokechem zuhit fila. And you should serve the Lord your God. Gemara says, How do you serve God? By davening. By praying. Therefore, when a person mentions the exodus from Egypt and davens immediately, he shows that just as a servant who is owned by his master has to do everything his master tells him, he has to listen to the commands of his master, so you too recognize the the grace, the goodness, and the redemption that God did for you, and that therefore you are His servant, and you serve Him. And since you mentioned that you are a servant, for He has redeemed you, therefore you do His will, and all His mitzvot, and the result is that you will merit the world to come. In other words, what is Rebbeinah saying? Rebbeinah is saying that, the reason why we connect Gula Litfilah is to make sure we understand what the real purpose of Gula was. The purpose of Gula, of redemption, wasn't that we should have a good time. The purpose of redemption wasn't that we should be free. But on the contrary, the purpose of redemption was that we should be slaves, not to Paro, but to God. And if you realize, and how, how, excuse me, how, how do you point that out? How do you remind yourself of that fact? 
by immediately connecting Geula to Tefillah, because Tefillah is Avodah, Tefillah is service. So if you connect Geula to service, you're saying, reminding yourself, you're inculcating in yourself the idea that I am redeemed in order to serve, not redeemed in order to, to be free of service. And if you remind yourself that you are redeemed in order to serve, then you are also accepting upon yourself God's commands and the yoke of heaven. And, and that, of course, is the key to the world to come. Serving God in all ways, through mitzvot and through tefillah, and everything that's implied in that, being a true servant of God, is the key to entering the world to come, to being, uh, having the merit of, of receiving God's favor. So what has Yonah done here? Benayona has really turned the tables on what I said before. Tefillah doesn't need Geula. Someone who davens serves God. He doesn't serve God more for mentioning Geula beforehand. It's the other way around. If you wouldn't daven right after Geula, you would be apt perhaps to think that God redeemed you. How nice, I'm free now. By davening immediately after Geula, you present the correct focus on Geula. Thank you God for having saved me and allowing me to serve you and, and, and bringing me into your service, owning me. You've acquired me for your service by saving me. If you don't daven right away, then you're saying, thank you God for saving me. What a great thing. I'm a happy person. I'm free. I can do anything I want. If you immediately begin to daven, remembering that tefillah is not serving yourself, it's not asking things for yourself, primarily, but it's saying to God, you are everything and I serve you, then you correctly place your geulah in the right context. And that, Rabbi Yochanan said, and Rabbi Yonah explains, is the key to everything. Because by realizing that everything which God has given me is so that I should serve Him, you correct and sanctify and dedicate your entire life to God's service. Okay, that's the key to everything. That's the key to Olam Abba. That's the key to the world to come. Okay, so the focus of Smichut Gulala Tefillah is Gula. You, you, you follow Gula with Tefillah to make the Gula proper, to put the Gula in the proper framework, to understand the proper purpose of Gula. We were saved in order to be His servants, His slaves, not saved in order to be masters unto ourselves. There are a number of very interesting propositions in this comment of Abbein Yonah. First of all, there's an important statement here about Tefillah. That we should remember that Tefillah is Avodah, literally. The word Avodah means to be an Eved. An Eved obeys his master. Davening implies you obey God. The connection isn't obvious. Beyonah says, when you daven to God, you're serving God. If I can just explain that point, how is davening serving God? Davening is asking things for yourself. I need health. I need food. Give me, give me, give me. How does that serve God? It serves yourself. I think the answer is that when you daven, and you say, God, I need A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. I need all these things. What you're basically saying is that everything I have comes from God. I have nothing independent. I can't provide for myself. All my needs are provided and can be provided only by you. And that's, in truth, the relationship between a slave and the king. The king also then will give, will give commands. But that's a result of the servitude. The servitude is the dependence on God. Tefillah says, I am totally dependent on God. So that's first of all. There's a very important statement here about tefillah. Tefillah is not stuff in your face. It's expressing one's dependence as a slave is totally dependent on his master. Two, the of course, is saying his major point 
that is the redemption, the the crucial Jewish experience. The primary Jewish historical experience, the redemption from Egypt, the reason why that lies at the heart of Jewish existence is because the redemption from Egypt was the beginning of our service of God, not the beginning of our freedom. Of course it's the beginning of our freedom. Everyone knows that that Pesach is Chag HaChirut. The redemption of Egypt gave us freedom. But what is freedom? What is Jewish freedom? Jewish comes to freedom is the service of God. And that would answer the question why we continually come back to the statement of Yitziat Mitzrayim. Because Yitziat Mitzrayim defines the Jew. Not as being free to do what he wants, but as being belonging to God. God acquired us by taking us out of the hands of Pharaoh. Second idea in Ben Yoni. He has two answers to this question. His second answer was, Another answer my teacher gave. Because when one mentions the redemption from Egypt and Davins immediately, he shows that he trusts in God, in his tefillah, since he asks, requests all his needs from he, from, 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 from him, from God. Because if you didn't trust in God, you wouldn't ask anything from Him. Now we see that um, when the Jews were redeemed from Egypt, and they saw all the miracles which God had done from them, they trusted in God. As the Pasuk says, So therefore, since now you mentioned the Geulah that they trusted, we mentioned that our forefathers were taken out of Egypt and they trusted in God and He saved them. And then you right away Davin, you show that you also trust in God. That He will answer you just as He answered the Jews when they were coming out of Egypt. And therefore, uh, you mentioned the Geulah and you Davin right away. That is the basis that, that strengthens one's trust in God. And trust in God is the foundation of one's faith and the foundation of one's fear of heaven and therefore you will enter the world to come. Okay, it's a totally different idea. Here, what is the key by which one enters the world to come? What is the key to the Jewish experience? Not service, but trust. What he calls fear and faith the trust in God the feeling that everything depends on God and I can rely on Him and I, 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 I put my faith in Him that's the key to the Jewish experience that's the key to Olam Abba. the connection between Gula and revolves on that point Gula the exodus from Egypt the redemption from Egypt was the first time that the Jews saw, experienced, and and felt, and reached the state of Vayaminu Bashem, of belief and trust in God, seeing how God had taken them out of the crucible of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, with great miracles, and destroyed the forces of Pharaoh, took them through the Red Sea. That was the foundation of, they saw that with their eyes. After they really experienced it, they achieved trust in God, because trust in God requires an experience. It's not an intellectual acquisition. 
You have to see it and feel it to acquire it. So we say, we repeat, we remind ourselves, we re-experience the Gulaf and Mitzrayim. We can feel that bitachon, that faith in God. We immediately apply it by davening because davening expresses one's faith in God. If you're not a faith in God, why are you praying to Him? You're not just taking a chance. You're, you're, you're coming to He who you know and believe can answer your can answer your prayers and answer your needs. So you reach back into the primary source of the trust of the Jewish people in God and then express your personal trust in God by davening. One who does that, 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 that nexus of experience and fulfillment, he inculcates in himself the trust in God. The trust in God is the key to the world, the world to come. Okay, so here... It's a little more complicated. If I ask my original question, what's the main, what's the main focus? Does gula serve tefillah or does tefillah serve gula? In the second answer, Ben Yonah, the answer is, is is really neither. Both of them are expressing the same point. Gula is the historical well from which personal trust in God derives. Tefillah is its expression in your own life. Apparently you need to combine the two of them to make the bitachon, the trust in God, into a real experience. Because only if it's a real experience, something which actually beats in your heart, can it be said to be the key for you to having a relationship with God which will ultimately lead to the world to come. In other words, lead to your being fulfillment as a fulfillment as a Jew. So we have seen three different ideas. I don't think they're contradictory. But we've seen three different ways of looking at the connection between Gula and Tefillah. The way expressed in the parable of the Yushalmi, whereby Gula is a call to God, a, a, a reminder to God of His, so to speak, His obligation to us, of His relationship with us, so that we can then ask Him for something else. It's the call to God, knocking on the door. So you could have it. The first answer in the Rebbein that Gula is a historical act which led to our freedom, we remind ourselves, we, we, we focus the freedom as being the preamble to service rather than to unrestricted freedom. And the second idea of Ibn that both the Gula and the Tefillah are two different aspects of trust in God. And Gula is the experience which leads to a response of trust and Tefillah is that response. The relationship between them is historical reason and concrete, concrete fulfillment. And now, I switch hats from giving the shir to being your host for the Halakha Yomit. Today's Halakha Yomit. Yesterday, we reached Kedusha. We spoke about Kedusha. Kedusha is found in the third bracha, the bracha of Kedusha, Kela Kadosh. Afterwards, we begin the bracha of Atachonin. The Gemara in Brachot says that Shonesse is basically divided into three. The first three Brachot, which are Brachot of praise, Avot, Givurot, and Kedusha. The next twelve, actually thirteen Brachot, which are all petitions, Bakashot, beginning at Tachonein, ending in Shomeyat Tefillah. And the last three Brachot, which are called Hodaya, even though the first one is Hodaya, they are the Brachot of leaving, the Brachot of taking one's leave of God. It's not merely an idea to separate it into three. The, the, the three units 
have have a unity. For instance, if one makes a mistake, one realizes at some point in Shmon Esrei that uh, one has made a mistake, so it, it's divided by the units. If you have to go back to, let's say you left out uh, retain, uh, you left out Mashiva Ruch Moedagesh in the winter, and you realize it, you have to go back. You have to go back to the beginning. Because once you're going back to the first section, you go back to the entire first section. If you made a mistake in one of the middle brachot, let's say you didn't say v'tein talamotali v'racha in the winter, so then you can go back to the beginning of that bracha, v'kata shanim. The first three brachot, the middle 13, and the last three brachot. The middle 13 brachot are petitions. What distinguishes the petitions is that you can also add your own private petition to the appropriate bracha. In other words, in a bracha that's talking about, let's say, Parnasa, sustenance, Rakat you can add an, uh, your own particular, if you have a need, so you, you, you can, you should, personalize the tefillah by adding your own personal need. If you need God to forgive you, you've done a sin, so you add that to the bracha that says, we have sinned, you mention your own personal sin, and I have done such and such and such, and I want God to forgive me for that particular sin. You can add to any bracha the topic that's appropriate for that bracha. You can add to Shomeya Tfilah, the last of the petitions, since it's a general request for listening to our Tfilah, you can add any, any subject. So any subject which doesn't fit into one of the others, you can add there. Or if it does fit into one of the others, you can add it there. So again, you can add topic A into the bracha which deals with topic A, and you can add any topic to the bracha of Shomeya Tfilah. It's inappropriate to make a request in one of the first three bachot. The first three bachot are not requests. They are praise of God. Therefore, you don't add anything to the first three bachot. Anything we have to add, anything we have to request, should be placed in the proper bracha, the proper framework of the 13 middle, middle bachot. The first of the, these requests is Chonein Hadat, asking God for wisdom. It's an interesting point. It's not halacha yumit. Simply an idea. I'm not sure that most of us would have thought if we have to ask God for our needs, the first thing we would ask Him for is to help us think, to be wise, to have chokhmah binavadat, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. It's a very Jewish thing. It's a very chazal thing. That if you're going to ask God for things, the first thing you should ask Him for is for, is for, is for wisdom. That's your first need. It's an essential, existential need for man. He needs food. He needs forgiveness. He needs health. First and foremost, he needs the wisdom. He needs the wisdom of God. And that is it for today. We'll be back tomorrow with Yeshua and Pashat Shavua. You have been listening to KMTT, the Torah podcast. Broadcasting from Yeshivat HaRetzion in Alon Shvot. Wishing you Kol Tov Berkat HaTorah Mitzion Ki Mitzion Teitzei Torah Udvar Hashem Mi Yerushalayim